All right, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for Monday, July 5th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. Happy 4th. Happy 4th. I hope everybody enjoyed themselves. I hope everybody at least saw one movie over the weekend or is heading to a movie as we speak. And I hope everyone on this 4th of July weekend took some time to reflect, to give thanks, and to give praise to Big Willie, Will Smith, who will forever be the hero of 4th of July weekend, the biggest box office star in the history of this weekend. So everyone, I, I hope you had a hot dog and a, and, a, and, a, and a beer and thought about Big Willie. I know I did. I did. I definitely did. I spent my 4th um, at uh, with family. It was both a 4th of July celebration and a niece's birthday. But I did take some time while I'm in this backyard with family to think about Big Willie and the fact that, I mean, Independence Day, Men in Black, Hancock, even Wild Wild West, which was a critically reviled movie that underperformed, but was still a, a, a movie that made a lot of money over 4th of July weekend. So I, I did I did think about Big Willie this weekend. I mean, I looked at the flag, mm-hmm. and the American flag has stars on it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I looked at the biggest star, and I thought, Will. Yes, yes. Yes, there. One of those fifty stars. Obviously, one of them is Jack Nicholson. One of them is uh, Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. One of them is Denzel. But for sure, one of those fifty stars definitely represents Will Smith, specifically when it comes to the Fourth of July weekend. Uh, did a, a a Bad Boys sequel open up one year in July? I'm gonna check this real quick before we get into. What happened on this 2021 Fourth of July weekend? But Bad Boys Two. Yeah, it would have had to been Bad Boys Two. Yeah, it would have been Bad Boys Two, and that opened up July 20th. It looks mm. like of that year, 2003. So not quite Fourth of July, but if if you're counting just the month of July itself, I mean, you know, Big Willie. That's who the fireworks are for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but Big Willie did not have a blockbuster movie opening this 4th of July weekend. But we did have some movies this weekend, Clayton. We did. We did. So I'm going to do a plow. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk about the two new movies that came out. Mm-hmm. So number one. For two weekends in a row, we have F9, which made $22.86 million, down 67%. Yep. It is now sitting at $123.2 million. I guess that's the, let's see, is that the, not to stop the plow, but is that the, I guess that's the Monday money too. Yeah, that I think that includes the four day. Yeah. Okay. So let's actually let's do this because the reason we're we're using the deadline top top five and the reason we're doing it is because for some reason the numbers doesn't have quiet place numbers. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna actually use the cumes for the weekend from the numbers and then I'm going to pop over to deadline and I'm going to do the quiet place numbers. So okay, little behind the curtain thing. So as of, so, so this involves multiple tabs right now is what you're saying. Yeah. You know, but here's the thing. Fuck it. We're doing it live. A lot of people right. would edit this out. We're not going to do it because we no. do it live. We do it live. Yes. So F nine as of the end of the three day weekend was at one, 115 million mm-hmm. crossed 100 uh, in eight days, which was really fast. We'll talk about that later. Number two, Boss Baby Family Business made 16 million dollars in its first weekend. Number three, The Forever Purge made 12.4 million dollars in its first weekend. 
Now, over to number four, A Quiet Place Part 2 made $4 million in its three-day. And as of the end of the weekend, it was at $140 million. Wow. Number five, we have The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, surprisingly, at number five, made $3 million. It is now at $31.3 million in its third weekend. Now, an interesting factoid, we're not going to go all the way to 10 with this, but this is the first weekend in a very long time that every movie in the top 10 has made over a million dollars. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's good to see. That's an encouraging sign for our nation. Even number 10 in the Heights, which made $1.1 million, just barely made a million dollars, in its fourth week, dropping 998 theaters, Ugh. is but at you know 26.7. What? It, it... And it's leaving, it is leaving HBO Max in, I think, a few days. Oh, that's a strange, this is a strange spot. I think we we mentioned it a few weeks ago. You're going to have a situation soon where In the Heights is off HBO and it's not really going to be in theaters anymore. They should have just left it on HBO. I don't yeah. know what the contract situation is legally. They had to legally. It had to be. But I mean, this movie's kind of going to be nowhere soon. But you know what? It made over a million dollars. It squeaked past a million. So it did its part in giving us a top 10 where everything made a million dollars. So given the heights that it's a box office bomb, it's a disaster, but it made its million this weekend. So it did its part. So thank you in the heights. Every, mm-hmm. It takes a village. Yep. Yep. Let's real quick just talk about weekend two of F9. Now, I know... You're upset about this 67% drop. I am, but I feel like I've seen a lot of the uh, box office media, some some who we think are great, some who haven't been on our show. And a lot of a lot of people are are, are doom and glooming this. You know, and listen, last week we were out there Predicting maybe it only drops 50%. Maybe this movie does the $35 million three-day wishful thinking, I guess. But this 67% drop, while on the surface, pretty bad, possibly alarming, is not that far off from just what this franchise does. This franchise has big second-week drops. Yeah, this I mean, this I, is par for the course. Can I give you some numbers, Pat? Sure, I was going to give you some numbers, but you can give me some numbers. Oh my goodness! Uh, so, where did you start with your numbers? Because I started at Fast Five. Okay, well, I started. I was going to start at seven, but go start us from five. Fast Five. What was the drop situation? Sixty-two percent second weekend drop. Fast Five. And that's Fast Five regarded as, if not the number one, no worse than the number two most loved entry of this franchise. Absolutely. And then Fast Six, down 64%. Wow. And again, that is a movie that, when that came out, there was nobody out there saying, oh, look at the numbers for Fast Six. This franchise is on the decline. When when Fast... when Fast and Furious 6 came out, we were like, boom, this this franchise has is, is never been healthy or never been hotter. And now, so Fast 7, which you looked at, I'm going to let you do this drop, this one and 8. So Fast 7, or or Furious 7 as it's as it's known, which was the, the, the biggest domestic hit out of all of these movies. It's the one that followed uh, uh, Paul Walker's death. It was the goodbye to the beloved Brian character. Everyone loves Fast and Furious 7. In its second weekend, this movie had a 60% drop. That's the thing. That was a massive cultural event. That movie was, I think, as big as these films are ever going to be. Yes, that was the peak of this franchise, for sure. And then Fate of the Furious. So this is the one, part eight, 
where people started to feel like, oh, they went too long. Should we still be doing these movies after Paul Walker is gone? Part 7 was such a great finale. So this movie had a second weekend drop of 61%. Yeah, it so, it's par for the course. Right. So all of those drops that we mentioned are obviously lower than 67%, which is what Part 9, F9 just did in second weekend. Dropped 67%. But it's in the neighborhood, you know? It's in, it's not the house. It's not at the house in the backyard where La Familia is together barbecue and having a, 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 you know, a bucket of Coronas together. It's not the house, but it's in the neighborhood of that house. It's driving distance of that house. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, this 67% drop is a short drive away from the second weekend drops of the other Fast and Furious movies. And, and just to give this some context, so 4th of July landed on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at the F9 numbers, Friday, 8.2 million. Saturday, 9.3. Sunday, 5.1. Right. People were out for the holiday. Yes. Monday, 7.2. So if this... If the, if the second weekend of F9 didn't land on a holiday, mm-hmm. that Sunday, I think that this would have been a 60, 62%, maybe even in the high 50s percent drop. Which, so, would, have been, which would have been stunning. If this, yes. had, if this movie had had a lower drop than the seventh movie, I, I would say that, that me... You, Jeff Bach at Exhibitor Relations Co., and all of the other box office analysts, we would have been dancing in the streets. Mm-hmm. And we don't all live in the same city. We're scattered across the United States. But if if this movie had dropped in the 50% mark, we all would have picked a central location, go to Iowa or something like that, middle of the country. I think that's the middle of the country. And we have a dance party in the streets in the middle of the stacks. That is how amazing that second week drop would have been. Again, obviously, it dropped 67%. Yeah. And so the sky is not falling. Don't listen to any media outlet that is saying that the sky is falling with the fast movies or theaters in general, which I, I also don't think that that has been the consensus. I think people are very excited that Universal owns the top three. Huge. At the box office. Universal, a, a, a company that has really stepped up during the pandemic and put some movies in, in, in theaters. Yep. They're the ones who made that initial push for shortened release windows. You know, they had it out with AMC and Regal. And, you know, in the end, like we've said from the beginning, or at least I said from the beginning, the theaters didn't really have a leg to stand on. So in the end, the windows got shorter. Mm-hmm. But Universal is the one who I think in some ways still had the best idea, which is have that theater exclusivity and then have a quick turn to PVOD. Yes. So Universal, I think, has done a pretty good job in the pandemic, and it's nice to see them get this you know, celebratory weekend where they own the top three spots at the B.O., so let's then jump to number two, Boss Baby, the Boss mm-hmm. Baby mm-hmm. family business, which made 16. Now, you know, we were very high on this film. Right. Going into it, it was streaming Peacock day and date, although we knew that was not going to make any difference. Nobody watches Peacock. Nobody so, watches it. No one has it. People who have it don't know they have it it's it's i i agree that it was minimal the amount of people who who knew enough to say i'm not going to go see this in a movie theater because i am aware that i have peacock first you have to be first you have to say i am aware that there is a streaming service called peacock so that's, that's the barrier first step. number one and that is like a very high wall to climb most mm-hmm. people are not aware that peacock exists 
then secondly, you have to then say, I am aware Peacock exists, and I am aware that I have a subscription to Peacock. So that that's a second barrier, and that almost everyone would not be able to climb that wall. Gun to your head, life on the line, you ain't climbing that wall most of the time. Most people yes. are not aware they have a Peacock subscription. Then the third barrier is you have to be aware Peacock exists, aware that you have a subscription to Peacock, and then you have to be aware that the Boss Baby is available on Peacock. Well, Pat, That, gonna... I think, might be the one that is easiest because that actually had commercials on television. I, I'm going to throw another little block here. Okay. Is that there's a tiered system. So, okay. so now, you could have see, Now I'm dead. You yeah. could have you could have Peacock, but if you're not paying for a certain tier, which I'm going to tell you, I don't even know which one. You would not have access to the Boss Baby. I don't believe you have access to the Boss Baby family business if you are on the free tier of Peacock. Okay, and, and amongst paid tiers, it's not just paid or unpaid. Peacock has two paid tiers. Yes. It's abs- paid yeah. with commercials, paid with no commercials. Which uh, one can watch The Boss Baby? Uh, uh, one of those? Two of those? I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. This Boss Baby movie really needed to be a movie about the Boss Baby explaining to kids what the Peacock streaming service is. He should be the boss of Peacock. He should have been the CEO of Peacock. That's what you do. He's the baby. He's the CEO of Peacock. It's it's all spawn con for Peacock. Yeah, because then at least the, the, the baby generation, the toddler generation... The, uh, I don't know, the the middle schoolers who watch stuff younger than what they should be watching, that generation, they'll at least know what Peacock is. Because you've lost, I would say, anyone older than that. You know, 10 and above, you're not getting those people to subscribe to Peacock in a meaningful way. But if the Boss Baby family business had been about the Boss Baby pitching Peacock to children you could have built something for the next generation of of streaming subscribers so that's a miss and and just to give you a little bit of of more damning Mm -hmm. a damning indictment of peacock so deadlines box office analyst anthony d alessandro Mm -hmm. he said in his article talking about this weekend which is you know it's always a must read you got to read it you know you 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 know he's a guy i'm reading him thursday friday saturday you know yep. gotta know we're living and dying with his uh saturday and sunday a.m updates for sure and he's saying he's heard from sources in the know that peacock is a disaster wow and this was means to prod an increase in subscribers. That was the why Boss Baby was put on this service. Wow, wow. So the, the the Boss Baby is being put to work. This is some. This is a child labor situation. Truly, truly, it is. Um, now the they, thing with they the, got the, thing, the Boss Baby with its little fingers reaching into the the uh, the, mach- the dangerous machine machinery that is the streaming wars. Well, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Exactly. You're suiting up a baby to mm-hmm. fight a war. I mean, right, we'll get right. to Chris Pratt in the Tomorrow War, oh, we which will. has a ridiculous premise and, you know, all, all these people getting, you know, taken from the past to, to fight in this war. And that seems ridiculous. But I think what's more ridiculous is making a baby fight a war for you as a right. streaming, uh, a streamer. I just think that's incredibly disgusting i guess right i mean disney plus which would be the the streamer that you think would employ uh uh uh, child soldiers Mm -hmm. because it's a children's brand family brand they have access to to children in a way that most other mega corporations don't they're not using child soldiers they're using marvel star wars um, you know, the Simpsons uh, and animated films, 
but they're not using child soldiers to fight their war. I mean, their big movie uh, last month to pitch the uh, Disney Plus uh, Premier Access service was Cruella, starring fully adult-aged Emma Stone. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Universal Peacock, they're sending a baby out there to fight in the streaming wars. In, in and this it's was... a boss baby. I get that. It's a baby in a suit. It's a baby voiced by Alec Baldwin, so I understand. But it's it's still a it's still a baby. Boss baby or not, it's still a baby. It seems to be... It's interesting with this film because I didn't expect it to have the Smurfs 2 drop, and it did. Mm-hmm. Because this first film opened to 40-something opening weekend, I believe. It opened to $50 million on the head oh, in you're right, March 50. of 2017. 50. And, you know, this is uh, more than a 50% drop, way more than a 50% drop. And, I, you know, it's one of those things. I guess it's a, it's a very rare children's animated franchise that is going to sustain and really keep increasing with the sequels. It seems to be a lot of times these are one and done. Yeah. Yeah, the kids age out of it, and it's not good enough to hook the parents or to hook the older siblings. I mean, I think one thing that you could look back to that probably goosed the numbers of the original Boss Baby in 2017 was you had, you were at a peak of Alec Baldwin's stardom. You know, he's Mm. got a lot of peaks and valleys, been around a long time, you know, comebacks and, and all that kind of stuff. In 2017, March of 2017, he was right in that first season of, and not to be political here, but doing a Donald Trump impression on NBC Saturday Night Live, which is broadcast live in front of a nationwide audience. And I think he just had a lot of juice that year. You know, I think the idea of hearing his voice coming out of a baby was something people were interested in a way that, you know, four years later, four years into him doing his Trump impression. And I think he's at a little bit of a valley in popularity right now. Yes. Uh, I think that what was once a strength is now a negative of this Boss Baby franchise. I think having Alec Baldwin's voice right now, and I think he'll have his peaks again. I think he'll be back. But I think right now is not a good time to be hanging a big summer movie around, hey, Alec Baldwin's going to be doing a voice. Yeah, it, um, it, he won He won an Emmy for playing Trump in 2017. So right. that, that right. is kind of the, at the, at the moment, an, an a, another apex in his career. And again, he's in a valley. But like we said, he's a guy who ebbs and flows. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I I think that's a big part of it. I think as a star and as someone people want to spend time with, it's a it's a bad time to have Alec Baldwin be your big draw. Mm-hmm. So Boss Baby, kind of uh, kind of a disappointment. We 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 have yet to see a a cartoon family film that has really done Baffa Bobo in right. you know since the reopening of theaters in a major way. Right. Tom and Jerry, of course, had that great weekend. It did show us all that we are in the Tom and Jerry generation. But, you know, it didn't cross $100 million. It didn't even come close. We haven't had that yet. You know, we haven't had a Despicable Me, Munions level event since the theaters came back. But it's inevitable because the rats need their cheese, and the yep. more you keep them from the cheese, the more they want the cheese. So all this is with you know Peter Rabbit not doing, uh, you know, underperforming, and Boss Baby underperforming, is that you're just going to get this anticipation, and then once something comes that the the rats want, they are going to devour it. Yes, and it's yes. not going to be pretty. Yes, I, I wouldn't want to stand in between the rats. And Hotel Transylvania four in October, for instance. Well, you know, here's the thing. I we, we let's t- let's cross that bridge with yeah, that yeah, that yeah. that 
Castle Drawbridge when we get there. I- I'm not so high on this uh, film okay. anymore. All right. Well, we'll we'll definitely talk about that as we get closer. But but as an example, you know, when exactly. that big animated uh, kids flick does hit, uh, stay out of the way because you're liable to be trampled. So let's talk about another film that we think is well. I I think another film franchise that is that it's on his last legs. Uh, mm-hmm. The Forever Purge. Yeah. Obviously, the Purge franchise, this film, although it did better than I expected it to do. I thought this was going to be sub 10 million, but people came out for it. uh, A few more people than I expected at 12.4. Definitely like not the best opening for this franchise. We went over all the openings uh, for the Forever Purge films last episode. So if you want to hear that, go back and listen. But definitely worth a listen. It is what we thought it was. I feel like this is very heavily front-loaded. Good weekend for it to drop because of the whole, you know, they love to have the flag and politics. And this 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 franchise has become pretty much ham-fisted in its, in its, in its politics, which you can take or leave. Obviously, a lot of people uh, left it. So um, I kind of feel like, they're going to have to take a break with the purges for a while. I mean, we talked about last week, you know, this is a show and actually this is something that may have hurt the boss baby too, is it's a show that had a TV series between the last film and this one, which also the boss baby did. It has had two seasons of a show called the boss baby back in business. So, you know, you know, that dilutes the brand. And I, I think that is one of the factors along with, Baldwin's waning star power or at least Valley star power that I think the series hurt the boss baby movie because even to the kids it does make it seem less special and I think the USA Network Purge series makes the purge less special but you know we gotta say we were predicting single digits last weekend for this movie Mm -hmm. and it did make 12.4 12.4 million dollars yeah so it's not as dead it's one of the situations where this is such a cheap series to make i mean these are it's a z-grade concept it's gonzo you know low budget filmmaking and so a movie like this opening to 12 million they could keep cranking these out you know, if, if they're going to have these movies still be able to make around $10 million opening weekend, you can make these cheaper and keep cranking them out. I just wonder if the studio wants to go that low with this movie. Yes. Or, or, or if we're going to see, like we did with the Saw movies, because you could make... Well, the thing is the Saw movies are still going. So, I mean, I guess here's what I'm going to say. Looking at this opening weekend... Do we think we're getting another Purge movie? Well, I, I just... Okay, so compared to the first Purge, mm-hmm. it was... The first Purge opened, which is the fourth Purge. Which is Purge 4, yes. Opened to 17.3 in, on July 4th, 2018. Same corridor. Obviously, full availability for theaters. People were right. able to all go and pack in and be nuts. God, look at the second weekend hold on that movie. Yeah, and it ended up lagging out pretty pretty well. But again, that was a purge in the city. The city is a huge part of this. People want to see burnout buildings. We talked about this last weekend. Right. Our last episode. So you go back there for all the purge conversation. But the that film cost $13 million to make. This Forever Purge cost $18 million to make. So yeah, it so costs bo- both more. Both numbers and it's, are going the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's we're getting to that point, and that's and that's been the trajectory is that they're spending more and getting less. And I think right. at this point, this is going to be the last one we see for a while, unless the budget plummets, unless somebody right. comes to them and says, "I can do a five million dollar purge film." That's the only reason. That's the only way it makes sense. But again, it does make sense if we're talking about the certain demographics that people want for the films for for movie going. Because 
this was 52% male, mm-hmm. but it was 54 under 25, and 40% of those were between 18 and 24. So those are young filmgoers, and those are people who will go see multiple films, will... They, those are people who are gonna pay for candy, pay for popcorn. You know, right, they've right. got the, they've got some disposable income either from their jobs or their parents giving them money. You know, also diversity: thirty nine percent Caucasian, twenty five percent Latino, twenty five percent Black, and eleven percent Asian. So yeah, th- that's great. Th- this is great diversity for your audience. So the, it's one of those things where. It's on the edge whether we get another one. I think budget's going to go down and we might see one in the next couple years. Yeah. I I mean, I think this is... It's still open to 12 million. I think you could have a situation that you had with uh, Spiral from the Book of Saw where someone like a Chris Rock, and hopefully it's not Chris Rock because Spiral just was not very good, but someone like a Chris Rock comes to Universal and says, I have got the perfect idea for a Purge movie. You know, when you have a star or, or, or someone interesting to the studio who wants to get into the Purge business. I, I feel like these Purge movies, they're going to need something extra to keep going with the next one. Whether it is the infusion of some kind of like, known quantity in front of or behind the camera or some kind of idea or some kind of crossover you know can Lionsgate Universal get the Saw versus Purge you know crossover event that I think would do big you know Bapa Bobo something like that I think I I think we're getting close to needing a Freddy versus Jason reboot of the Purge series well, here's the thing, and I'll throw this out. And I know we, we you know, we want to make this episode a little bit snappier. We know people yes, are very yes. busy. They, but, um, you know, Jake or Logan Paul, a hundred percent. And let me throw this out here. You know, it's the Purge. One of them plays a slightly veiled version of themselves, mm-hmm. and they're usually locked in their high rise or wherever they live or their compound. Something happens, and haters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. haters come and try to kill either both of the brothers or one of the brothers, depending on what they can right. do. I mean, the budget, again, we got to keep the budget low, so it's probably going to be one of the brothers. Right, right. There's your new Purge movie. It's a yeah. different angle, and that's something that I could see being made for $5 million. Yeah, I mean, they've, they're they obviously dominating the, the boxing world. This is not a boxing podcast. We're not the BOX boys. We're, we're the BO boys. But I think that makes a lot of sense to bring the Paul brothers or at least one of them into this. And the haters angle is great because you got you got to I think you have a lot of people out there who are tired of haters. And if you cast the the haters as the villains going after one of the Paul brothers in the purge that there's a lot to that for sure. And it's streamed on Twitch. It's there. Both sides of a Twitch. He's got a Twitch going. The haters got a Twitch going. Right, right. No, I, I, I think that I think I think that gives you an opening weekend. I don't know if if uh, a purge movie where haters are trying to kill one of the Paul brothers, if that is a, a movie that's going to do well week to week. But I think they open with that movie for sure. So do you do you want to talk quickly about Zola down at number nine made one point two million dollars barely beat out in the heights? I mean, I am actually and part of the reason why we are trying to make this snappy episode. I have tickets to go see this movie. Okay, this evening, very soon, the night of this taping, I will be seeing this. Um, and I'll I'll say this anecdotally, we. My wife and I, she's someone who's uh, very aware of the Twitter thread upon which Zola is based. I've never read that Twitter thread, so I'm going into this fresh. We went to purchase tickets online just this afternoon. Only three tickets left in the whole in the in 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 the whole uh, screening room. Okay, what theater are you going to, and what is the max capacity? It's a Nighthawk. 
Okay. So it's it's I mean you know it's we're Five not going people. to see Zola and IMAX. We're not seeing yeah. Zola and IMAX. Let's just put it that way. Uh, you know what? Here's I, what I'll I, say. Well, are you about to take the angle that this movie is doing poorly? Oh, absolutely! It's a failure. It's it's a failure. Okay. Well, I'm looking at the per theater average, eight hundred thirty-eight dollars per theater. That's pretty bad for a movie this small. It needed to have a big per per theater average mm-hmm. for it to be successful. The the problem with this film is that, well, there's a lot of problems with this film. But one of the one of the things that the pandemic has wrought is that these films aren't being platformed. They need to be platformed. This film right. should have opened in big cities where it would make Baffa Bobo and make headlines. Right. And it's not because it's opening. It opened in uh, one thousand four hundred sixty-eight theaters. That is too many theaters it is. for this film. Too many places that don't want to see this. Exactly. It pulls down that per theater average because there are certain places where this movie you could give it all the promotion in the world. People in a in a certain area are just not going to go see Zola. Now I think we can move on to our next subject because I. I'm going to write a, a, an article for our Substack that will drop this week about okay. Zola and the mistakes it made. I love it. With its I, marketing, with putting its what, what it came from, like the um what's the term because it's a raw feed and I'm I'm blanking. A viral viral Twitter thread? Well, it's source material. It's source material. It's IP. It's IP was a Twitter thread. Yeah, so uh, and it reminds me of another disaster um, from years and years ago, and I'm not going to say which movie this is, but it's a a famous disaster. Okay. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna write a little article about this. So I think it's gonna be interesting. I think it's gonna show that history. You got to know your history if right. you if you want to not relive it. Yep. And so let's we'll 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 talk about that next week when this when this this drops because I think this article is going to get some traction. That's going to be huge. So I mean, in the description of this episode, there's the link for our Substack. So click on that, subscribe, and I mean, I'm excited because I, I don't even know what's going to be in this article, and I can't wait to read why Zola was a disaster. So let's. I think we should jump to next weekend because we have sure. such a huge film coming up yeah we're talking black widow and i mean this is the one there's anticipation the one. they're saying there i'm seeing in a lot of outlets that they're saying 80 to 110 opening for this film wow. a film that is going to be is uh, uh, available on Disney Plus as Premier Access, which they're not really promoting all that much, which I think is smart. Don't. You don't need to. If right. people want to find it there, they'll find it there, but you don't need to promote that. You want to promote this in theaters. The projections on Box Office Pro have gone up by 11%. We're at that 800 to 110. I've seen other places saying 80 to 90. Pat... Yeah, I mean, do you here we think, go. Do you think that Black Widow will be the first post-pandemic-ish? Because we're still not done. I, I don't want to... We, we do say post-pandemic a lot, but we're not out of the woods. But I'm going to say, you know, post the thick of it. Right. Keep getting vax and wax, everyone. That, that's, yeah. that's all the B.O. boys will say on this. Do you think this will open to a hundred million dollars or more are you are you over or under a hundred million dollars this is the question of i think the year maybe i do not i think it's going to be in the 90s i think it sniffs it it sniffs i think it sniffs it but i think because I'm I'm looking right now at how close the, how close to this like how close well, here, is the nose here's, getting? Here's the thing: I look at something like Spider-Man: Far From Home, July second, mm-hmm. 2019, which is the last MCU movie MCU movie to come out movie theaters. Which that's is that's two just, years ago, people. 
two years, $92.5 million opening weekend on its way to hitting $390 million. So, do now, I, I will think say Black that was Widow in the wake. Was, that was in the yeah. wake of Endgame. It was Endgame came out that April and opened to three hundred fifty-seven million dollars. God, there are so many people just waiting to buy tickets to a Marvel movie. Well, I mean, do you think so? Because you are the one who, and obviously, you, you take preference out of business when you can but but you're not someone who is predisposed to to being a a marvel fan but more than that you're someone who has had a very uh uh pessimistic view of the future of the mcu you know Mm -hmm. we've talked on the show on air off air you're someone who's more down on the mcu than most in terms of where its box office future is going to be so I would suspect you think Black Widow is not going to hit 100 million. That you think it's going to be on the low end of expectations. Am I wrong in assuming that? I, I don't want to call you wrong, mm-hmm. but so I think the I do believe the next two films after this that are being released, Eternals and Shang Chi are thin soup. And I've said that in several, you know, I've said that in the Substack. I've said that here, but I think that is going to work in Black Widow's favor. Okay. Because I think Marvel's the, the problem with what Marvel, that release schedule is that they thought they still had momentum. That's why those two films were going back to back. I think Mm -hmm. it's a mistake because you got to have something people are really clamoring for in between those two films, I think would make them more palatable. But I think people are going to say, this is the MCU that I love. These are, this is a character that I uh, love and miss. Right. And it's the, one Marvel film I'm going to get until the end of 2021 when we get a Spider-Man film. So I think that's, I think the fact that those two films seem like stinkers are going to make this film more of a must see. And I've said before, mm -hmm. all of the TV shows that have come out on Disney plus, I thought they were going to have a negative impact on this. I thought people were going to be like, well, I'm so used to watching cinematic quality Marvel content at home that why do I need to go to a theater for it? I now don't believe that either. I believe that people look at Marvel movies as events. And for a lot of casual moviegoers, Marvel films are the only films they see in theaters Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think this we have been so programmed by marvel and disney to look at each marvel movie as an event and we're we've missed out on event pictures because tenet turned out not to be an event f9 was an event and I think this film is going to be an event. And so I'm going to say this movie is going to go over $100 million. Wow. Wow. You didn't I predict mean, that, did it, you? I did, not, I did not predict that you would predict that. Not, not at all. Not at all. But, I mean, that is... Hey, listen. If I am on Scarlett Johansson's team, if I'm Kevin Feige, and... When this episode drops, word gets back to me that Clayton of the B.O. Boys is predicting a $100 million opening weekend for Black Widow. I'm feeling pretty good about that because Clayton Gumbert is not someone who's been in the MCU's pocket. He's not a fanboy. He's not someone who thinks everything they do is biscuits and gravy. He's someone who's been tough on the MCU and their prospects for the future. So... Uh, I mean, I, I think that's a great sign for this this movie. The the one thing I worry is Canada. Is mm-hmm. the Ontario province is still closed, generates 40% of Canada's theatrical ticket sales. There's a few big 
you know, the arc lights closed, all those are the kind of places that, you know, generate a lot of box office. But it's like, am I really going to think that Canada would put this over or keep it under? I mean, if it ends up being 98, then I can blame Canada. Right. But right. otherwise, I'm going to I'm going to say that I think there's just going to be a very overwhelming feeling that this is the first film back for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean the the other thing that has uh that works in the favor of this movie clearing 100 million or doing some silly 110 type number this weekend is that whole Marvel DC fanboys thing where you might have fans who feel it is their duty. You know, obviously most people who go are going because they're normal human beings who want to see a movie that they're excited about. I think what could push it over the top is the people who feel like we got to go see this. This has to be the movie that makes the hundred million. This has to be a huge hit. I'll see it 10 times if I have to clear out my bank account, got to support Marvel, Iron Man better than Batman, all that kind of stuff. You might have a little bit of that that sort of helps at the edges. Again, I think the majority of this is what you said. People love this series of movies. The The Disney Plus shows have made people more positive on Marvel than I think they were a year ago. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm still going to stick with it hitting the 90s, sniffing 100, not quite getting there. But, but, but I see the all the DC. reasons why it should. Doing the Marvel DC math here, you bring up a point because the next film that has a chance mm-hmm. of sniffing 100 in its opening weekend is The Suicide Squad on August 6th. So if the Marvel he- the, the Marvel heads, the Marvel zombies come out and say, we have to be the movie that cracks 100 in the opening weekend so that if Suicide Squad gets over that mark, which we don't think, I don't think either of us think it's going to happen with the Suicide no. Squad. But still, if they have that in mind that we need to beat DC to this, that could motivate people. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. I think there's going to be some amount of the money that comes in this weekend that is based purely out of, you know, just fandom dc marvel wanting to root for your team and you know what disney and marvel they're cashing those checks why not bring it on it all competition is good yeah so i mean it's going to be exciting to see what this does i mean if it hits a hundred you know if if it does high-end expectations i think it's another feather in the cap of Scarlett Johansson as a movie star who's now stuck through for a long time, who's still very well liked and still has box office juice. And, you know, next week, we talked about this before this episode, next week, when we look at what Black Widow did opening weekend, we're also going to take a look at ScarJo's BO history. And I think Black Widow, man, is there going to be a more pivotal movie in her B.O. story than this? This is yeah, the one. We, and we differ. I mean, as high as I am on Black Widow, mm-hmm. I think you and I differ on how much juice I think she has at the box office B.O. wise. I mean, listen. You're going to throw Lucy in my face. I know. I know. Lucy did Bafa Bobo. Lucy in the sky, my friend. But, but it's it, it well, can't just be lucy it can't just be marvel and lucy well, for her if we're gonna call we'll, her a we'll star. talk about it, that next week we'll go through yeah. her box office history but this is a huge one she is the star of a movie that might be the first hundred million dollar opening weekend post pandemic and of course again pandemic is still going on get vax and wax so mm-hmm. this this is a big movie for her bo career so i'm excited oh yeah it's huge it it's huge um we were Going to talk about The Tomorrow War, the Chris Pratt movie that just dropped on Amazon Prime. It was supposed to be a big movie theater movie. Amazon bought it during the pandemic. I watched this film. I got to say right now, we're running out of time because mm-hmm. I got to get to Zola. So here's yeah. what we're going to do instead. I got two writing assignments on the B.O. Boys Substack. One of them is going to be up 
I would say later tonight, which is I'm going to do a trailer tracking on the Many Saints of Newark. I'm so excited for this. There's nobody more excited than me for this. So that's coming first. The other thing I'm going to do this week is write about Chris Pratt's A Tomorrow War. And based on having seen this and Chris Pratt's career trajectory right now, I'm going to give us a hypothetical what if this movie had opened in the theatrical box office this weekend? Oh, I love and I'm this. Gonna, is this a new I'm thing, a what if? And I'm going to talk about how it did. I'm going to give us a what if. And so, I will let everyone know how the Tomorrow War did at the box office. Oh, I love this. I love this. So I think this could be a new recurring series of articles. We do what ifs for these streaming right. films. Well, this will be the first one. This will be the big one. And... I agree. After this one, people are going to want this to be a franchise. They may not want the Tomorrow War itself to be a franchise, but they will want Box Office What If to be a franchise. So that's coming on the B.O. Boys Substack this week. So you got to subscribe, everybody. you got to subscribe. you got to subscribe. So, I mean, I think we did it, Clayton. We absolutely did it, Pat. Other than the Substack, where can they find us? Email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know... I guess if, if you plan on going to see Black Widow this weekend and whether you plan on seeing it because you're excited for the movie or just because you want to make sure that Marvel beats DC, let us know. Let us know what other movies you might want to see as a what if in the future on our Substack, And, uh, you know, let us know what you think about uh, doing what was our what was our idea for the Purge movies in the future? I, I'm completely blanking on. What our big Jake Paul Jake is, Paul exactly, has to fight yes. haters. Of course. So let us know if you're excited about the future of the Purge movies possibly being the Paul Brothers versus haters. Email us at the Podcast at gmail.com. All right, Pat. Well, we did it. So I don't think there's anything left to say except for until next time. We'll, we'll smell. smell.